Hello, my dear friends. Thank you for listening to this episode of Love Service Wisdom with myself, Marissa Rada Wepner. You can call me Rada. I love it when people do. It's sort of an energy that I'm trying to step more fully into after Ram Das, he gave me that name about, it'll be two years ago in June. And, you know, it's kind of weird when you change your name and awkward for everybody who knows you as your original name or your given name. And uh, so it's been difficult for me to say, no, my name is Rada. And I find myself going back and forth. And not only am I confused, but I think other people are confused as well. And so I'll just say it here. If you know me as Marissa, I love it when you call me Rada because it feels special and important. And, and so, and maybe too, asking for it at this time comes on Uh, at a nice point where it's just about to be my 42nd birthday on February 27th coming up this Saturday. So help me step into this new year, this new revolution around the sun as Rada. And in honor of my birthday, for all my Patreon supporters, I'm hosting a live stream meditation on February 27th at 5 p.m., Mountain Standard Time. And if you aren't a patron and you would like to be, you'd like to support this podcast and the work that I do, I would love it. You can go to patreon.com backslash Marissa Rada and you'll find me there. I've got all kinds of levels that you could sign up at and your, your donations, your support is greatly, greatly appreciated. I want to give a big shout out to Mary Stark, She's one of my longest running Patreon supporters and one of my biggest donors and a a big love in many, many ways. I met her at a event at The Raven, Yoga at The Raven for Tony G, who was teaching class and East Forest, he was performing and I was there supporting the East Forest ceremony, we met Mary Stark and then she came to Esalen and joined East Forest and I for our Esalen retreat. Then she was going to come to our Boulder retreat as well this past September 2020 that we've postponed till 2021. But she checks in and sends me Valentine's Day cards. She gave me a Valentino dress at the at the Esalen retreat. She sends us sweet letters all of the time. She's a supporter of East Forest as well. So much love to dear, dear Mary Stark. We appreciate you so much. And of course, we appreciate all of you, all you Patreon supporters and everybody who rates the podcast as well. If you do that on the Apple platform, it's a really big help. Right now I've got 59 reviews and I want to get to 100 as soon as I can because it feels like a landmark and a milestone. So if you're listening to this podcast and you would like to review it to do me that big favor, I'd appreciate it so much. When you're listening on Apple, you just scroll down to the bottom where it says more episodes and keep going, keep going. And then right at the bottom, you can leave a review. Leave a written review if you can. I'll share with you my latest written review on the Apple podcast. It is from Ray McDee. She says, Rada has guests that inspire and move me. I always look forward to her next episode coming up. Anyone who wants transparency in your host and information to feed your soul, check out this podcast. Each guest is carefully chosen to inspire each listener. Rada is a teacher who will rock your soul. Thanks, Ray. Appreciate that one. And you guys, just so great. I kind of get to these moments where I feel like, am I, should I keep doing this? Is it worth my time? Do people care? And right when I have that thought, I guarantee you that day or the next day, someone will write me or someone will say to me, I love your podcast. I love the show. And I'm like, okay, (laughs) I'll keep doing it. I'll keep doing it because I love these conversations that I get to share with you or meditations or musings or whatever it might be. And this week, I am so delighted to introduce you to Jess Maitri. Jess 
holds a unique blend of Eastern and Western wisdom through 10 years of private practice as a licensed clinical social worker, through multiple trainings and thousands of hours as a certified yoga therapist, transformational breathwork guide, and Reiki master. Jess has claimed her gift as a skilled intuitive healer, able to access higher dimensional information and guidance for those she works with. And Jess has created a method of therapy that she calls Yothera, the Yothera method, which is an alchemical process of what we talk about it all in this podcast of like getting into your work, rewriting your story, sharing your story, getting into the shadow, using creativity and play and movement in the body. And it's really inspiring as personally, as someone who's a therapist and a guide and a teacher to see someone like her be able to blend all kinds of different disciplines to create a deeper form of healing than we often find in just talk therapy. So Jess is here in Boise. She's a friend of mine and a colleague, and I've been working with her to create an intro to Yothera training for my yoga school, the Sage Yoga School, and that's coming up the weekend of uh, March 5th. March 5th through 7th. It's a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday training that's open to, you know, any therapist, healers, counselors, yoga teachers, guides who are wanting to learn a method to help take their clients deeper into their unconscious mind, into their body, to get a deep connection to their own story and to begin to alchemize and transform that. It's also, of course, open to anybody just that just wants to experience that work for themselves. So if you're interested in taking that training, it's going to be online. So really anybody from anywhere could join. You can find it on Eventbrite if you search or search for Yothera. That's Y-O-T-H-E-R-A, the Yothera method. Or send me a message at my own email, Rada at Marissa Wepner. Of course, Rada is R-A-D-H-A. Rada at Marissa Wepner. And you can learn more all about Jess Maitri at her website, jessmaitri.com. That's J-E-S-S-M-A-I-T-R-I.com. And you can find her on the Instagram at Yothera underscore method. Yothera underscore method is her Instagram handle. And um, oh yeah, coming up to you guys, if anybody's around in the Boise area and you're looking for ketamine therapy, my next group ketamine session is going to begin March 8th. And those are three weeks of sessions, twice a week. So six sessions total over three weeks that we do as a group. And it's pretty, uh, it's pretty transformative and awesome and inspiring and deep and healing on many levels for those of you that might be suffering from treatment resistance, depression, anxiety, OCD, PTSD, ketamine's proven pretty therapeutic for all of that. And if you want to learn more about that, you can just go to my website, marissarada.com. And I've got a tab there for ketamine therapy. There's just a few spots. It's a small group setting for the ketamine group sessions. So that's coming up and lots of other things. I'll keep you informed as I can. Love you all so, so much. Please enjoy this conversation with Jess Maitri. Welcome, Jess, to Love Service Wisdom. Thank you. <laughs> it's a treat to be in conversation with you, the mm. creator of the Yothera Method. Yes. <laughs> so I'm, I want to share with our listeners about you and your work and what the method is exactly. Great. Yeah. So, yeah, I would love to share that. Yes. Um, so Yothera method is a three-phase journey. It's an inner journey. I call it an inner alchemical journey because we're really working with um, 
a process between you and you. So it's um, not really something that it can be done with anybody else. It's uh, guided obviously by myself and in the container, but it's um, really a journey with your inner self. Mm-hmm. And a journey with your inner self, how is that different than let's say regular therapy, talk therapy? Yeah, that's, uh, you know, the first thing that comes to my mind with that question is regular talk therapy tends to give um, power away without it, without them realizing that's what's happening is the power sometimes goes to the therapist. And instead of it being encouraged to go within for the answers. So how do you guide the inward answers, the revelation of the inward answers? Well, it's a, so your Thera method works with um, first breaking down the layers of the mind that get in the way of finding the answers. So that's the first thing we work with is breaking down defense mechanisms, looking at blind spots, um, using shadow work with archetypes and things like that uh, to break down resistance to really going in because our ego doesn't really love the idea of breaking um, the story of itself. So first we do that. And then the second part is the body, which um, I know you know a lot about as well, but working with the somatic um, messages that can come through. And then what's the third step? <laughs> so those messages usually come from our unconscious mind, which is expressed through the body. So give, and- give me an example of that, my unconscious mind being expressed in the body. So for example, let's see, a, su- a simple example would be, well, I'll use one of my own, uh, low back issues. So I've had chronic low back issues for years and, um, and had done PT and you know physical therapy and yoga, all sorts of things. But uh, just this past year, I actually was using my own method on my back <laughs> and it, it's gone. It's gone. It'd be the programs or whatever the emotional um, program or story was that was expressing itself through pain in my back. Um, it, it, and I'm not making that up. I have no low back issues. So really- do you feel comfortable sharing what that story was that was in your low back that was manifesting as pain? I'd be happy to. So um, I'll kind of keep you know uh, people's names out of it, but I had a particular family member that I was really close to growing up um, that I absorbed a trauma. She was um, raped and I was actually uh, asked to keep it a secret for no, a long time. And I did, I was young and I didn't want to get her in trouble and all this stuff. And um, it ended up coming out that that's, I had actually absorbed that trauma into my own body and I was still holding it. And um, so working through the layers that go along with that, um, just by acknowledging it, mm-hmm. it has really healed itself. Mm-hmm. Were you, or did you have before the practice, any idea that your low back pain was related to holding in this secret? No, I had, I had no conscious awareness of that, but how it was being expressed um, consciously was like emotions such as anger or fear, not trusting, you know, um, a sexual, you know, feeling, yeah, just having some triggers that I couldn't quite understand why I was having triggers about Mm -hmm. because I hadn't personally experienced it. So cognitively or consciously I was, it didn't make sense to me. Mm -hmm. Um, So I went deeper and yeah. How was it that you got to that story? Well, I, I like to use um, actual like forms of self-hypnosis <laughs> sometimes in uh-huh. meditation, working with visualization, working with, um, yeah, I've, I've just kind of come up with ways to take myself a little bit deeper in meditation. Um, and also with my clients that are open to that, you know, I do work with that. Um, and so journaling afterwards as well and letting it come through in that way is um, how I gave it a voice is really what we're doing is we're giving our body a voice which is really giving our unconscious mind a chance to be seen and acknowledged Mm -hmm. so well for you in particular when the story arose was there an emotional sense 
or a knowing sense like that's what it is? Oh, yeah. Yep. What, what did that look like? For me, it was a, um, I tend to uh, what's called sacral authority in human design, but I, I just knew and I knew because this area of my body was just, it's like a gut knowing for me. Mm-hmm. Um, almost like a gut punch is kind of how it feels sometimes. Mm-hmm. And, and then of course there's an accompanying emotion that comes with that knowing that really kind of validated it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so then you have the awareness, this back pain is related to the secret I've been holding for so long. And these other triggers and emotions in my life are related to it as well. What's the process of dissolving it? Well, what I've noticed is the number one thing, which everyone kind of thinks is too easy, but I have found that it just wants to be acknowledged and not only acknowledged, but there's a, you could call it your inner child, but this part of ourself wants to be uh, um, validated, but also reassured that it's not going to happen again. So I really had to look at areas of my life where I wasn't fully or maybe where I was absorbing other people's stuff, taking on other people's stuff that wasn't mine. So it may not have been that event, but then how did that pattern play? How did it keep playing out in relationships and friendships, things like that? Mm -hmm. And so with your clients in this uh, method that you've developed, it's guiding them into this deeper connection to what wants to be voiced through their body And then from that, looking at where in their lives it's playing out still, and then making the changes from there, like, I'm going to stop doing that. Working with the material of the old story that comes up. So they, they identify their old stories. And then from there, I give them practices to, um, to work with the unconscious mind to start to rewrite the stories. So that's the process. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. like affirmations or like intentions and those sorts of things? Yes, um, but from in a language that speaks to the unconscious, such as um, body movements, uh, using the senses. So the senses are an emotion also is what really speaks to the unconscious. So I give them very specific ways to start to get creative to rewriting these programs. And meaning when you just describe that practices where they feel different emotions or emote in different ways? Yeah, actually, I'll, um, I'll have them. Um, a lot of people think it's like, oh, this feels fake and things like that. But really, after they do it, they realize how much power they have to shift. So I'll give them like 432 hertz music to play uh, while they are you know, uh, imagining, imagination is huge. So imagining um, a power animal or a color or their favorite element, like water washing over them. And then I'll have them do body movements that really make it, you know, send the message to the mind that that's, that it's happening, that this new story actually is existing. Um, And so we're just really getting all the senses involved in imagination. Cool. Almost like some future self role-playing. Yes. That's a very good way of saying that. Wow. Yeah. I'm just so fascinated personally, just from the work that I do with clients, I find myself butting up against the somatic experience so often. Mm. And it feels like it always comes back to the body and emotions in the body. Yes. It's basically where it always goes. Yep. For me anyways, I don't, I'm sure everybody works in different ways, but I always land right there. Mm-hmm. And I just in my own work, like I encourage clients to feel one, their body and what's happening in the energy. So like a lot of times it show up, shows up as constriction, blocks, pain in the chest, upper back, neck, throat. You know, we carry so much there when we hit on certain emotions And then I sometimes find myself a little bit more reticent with, okay, now what do we do with that? Mm -hmm. What do we do with what we find? Yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. Besides feeling it. Yes. Witnessing it. Yes. I I feel like that's stage one. But then what? 
Right. And that's what I love about this work. So with traditional therapy, that's what I, you know, what I did for years was find, find the root issue, acknowledge it, feel it. And then, but yeah, it always ended with now what? And so with Yothera method, it gives them a now what? Because that new story is always changing and now they have the tools to continue to have that new story change. Um, and they can play with it and use their imagination and kind of live into it and draw it in, in all of these creative ways. So very multidisciplinary too. Yeah, very much, yeah. In your own life, how did you come to discover this method and practice? Well, uh, <laughs> lots of different ways, but um, my probably the number one thing for me was feeling burned out. I mean, to be honest, that was like the pain that pushed and then the inspiration pulled me, right? So the pain for me was feeling really a lot of compassion fatigue and a lot of burnout in traditional therapy. So yeah, that was the... That was the catalyst. Mm-hmm. I Again, I recognize that in my own life because sometimes <laughs> when I work with certain clients, I get done and what I've sensed in their body, I'm now feeling so much in my own body. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. The joy of empathic work, right? <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, oh God, I need sage. What can I do? Stretch. I need a hot shower. Get this energy flowing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Definitely. I think a lot of people that are in this field are empathic. So they're absorbing more than they realize. And so they don't even have the tools or know how to clear that energy. So, and to discern what's ours and what's not. Yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yes. At least, I feel at least I'm fortunate that I know when I've picked something up. And it usually doesn't last too long, but... I mean, in some ways, I'm really grateful for it because I I feel like it gives me a lens into understanding what's going on with the client because I'm literally feeling it in my body. Right. Yeah. So I get the gift, you know, but yeah. Mm -hmm. So you were feeling fatigue. Oh, yeah. And it got to a point where my empathy was so high that I would be feeling like other people's emotion before they even came in. So it was like the reminder email that they got sent like almost like created this energetic cord and then like within the hour of seeing them I would start to pick up and think that their emotions were mine and like one time I had a migraine that was just I never get migraines and my client comes in and she's like I have such a huge migraine I don't know that I'll be able to do our session and so it was getting really overwhelming and I wasn't sure how to you know care for myself so how did you begin to care for yourself well, I, that's when I started moving into body work and, and really, um, so that's when I, I went to Phoenix Rising Yoga Therapy. I completed that training and um, dove into the yoga side of things um, and started getting out of the head, getting out of the mind stuff and in getting clients in their body and getting them to almost own their experience more in the sessions so that I wasn't just a place to kind of, for lack of a better word, like dump. Like I wasn't mm. just a place for them to go and express. Mm. It was more like, nope, you go this way. Like the energy needs to go in. Mm-hmm. Where prior to that, you may not have been directing people to their body experience. Nope. Not or at- even talking about it. You're not even bringing it up. No, no, not at all. <laughs> no, it was very up here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So then what changed for you when you began doing that with your clients? Uh, it was like a, a exhale, this huge, just um, relaxed. I, I felt more myself. That's really what it was, is I felt more authentic in, uh, I could show up. I could show up as, as all of me, not just this, like, from the neck up. I could show up as all of me and my body and my emotions and my experience got to be there as well. And um, the energy of sessions started changing in a way that helped feed my soul. That's really what it was. Yeah. Hmm. And then you're, you're, you could see kind of a pathway of creating a formula for the work. Yeah. yeah. If I put these different pieces together. I've got a really cohesive system. Yes. Yeah. And then, you know, uh, colleagues, I work with them, um, eating disorder, um, like therapists that specialize in eating disorders and then nutritionists. And 
therapists that were really working in the body, but they weren't really like trained in this type of work. And so they would start to refer their clients to me. And, um, and then for me, I started thinking, well, I don't, you know, I don't want to just take their clients. Like I really, they really should learn how to do this. They should learn how to clear they should learn about energy and all that. So that's where, you know, these inspirations around creating the method for them. So in some ways you're taking therapy to the next level. Mm-hmm. That's Or how- down some levels out of just the head <laughs> down into the body. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so with your, your Thera method, you lead groups with it and you've got a training for it coming up, correct? For therapists or healers, counselors? Yeah. So right now I have a 10-week group that is open to anyone in the helping and healing professions. Um, and actually anyone that wants to experience your Thera method is there's a 10-week group that's also um, a prerequisite to the certification program. So that's where to start. And then the certification program for people that want to um, learn how to do this in their work, then that starts in April. That's exciting. Yeah, I know. That's, that's really exciting. For, gosh, just so much that you could do. Do you feel um, like the method is still informing itself and growing? Yes, 100%. That's the, probably for me, the biggest lesson in this is your Thera method is working on me. Uh, as I'm creating it. So I, it, it's literally making it so I can't get ahead of myself because this is an experiential model and method. I have to, I have to live into it. I can't just create the whole thing right now. So that's a huge edge for me as someone that likes to be super efficient all the time. And, and it's just a huge trust thing is I have to feel into it and understand how it's being received by the by the participants before I can kind of create the next step. Yeah. That's, that's living on the edge for sure. It's almost like doing improv. It is. It totally is. (laughs) (laughs) Like I know how to act, but I've got to make it up in this moment, but I'm using my skills. Yes. Yeah. And relying on, you know, a source I'm relying on, um, you know, inspiration in the moment which is a, a muscle that I'm wanting to really continue to grow. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I know we've got the intro to Yothera method coming up through the Sage Yoga School in just a couple of weeks. Is that, what will that be like? Like an overview of what the method is, whether it be practices as well or theory? Definitely, yeah. I'm going to um, really, well, so that's a... It's going to be a condensed version, obviously, um, just because of time. But I would really like to assist participants in feeling all three phases. So really understanding phase one and phase two and phase three. And so they're going to kind of get the key components of what it is. And there will be experiential components to it. Um, There will be a lot of, you know, partner work and breakout rooms and exercises. Yeah. What are some of the... What are some of the healings or transformations that you've seen in different clients through this me- this method? Oh man, it's well, it's been so inspiring. I'm remembering my the last group, not the one that I'm currently in uh, or leading, but the last group. Um, in a ten week period of time, we had women that barely, you know, at the beginning were barely speaking up in group, were barely. Um, you know, getting deep into into the work. Uh, at the end of it, they were dancing as part of their um, as part of their new story. Or one of them wrote poetry and shared her poem with us, like as part of her new story at the end, which is part of phase three, which is sharing the new stories in these creative ways. And um, I mean, brought everyone to tears. I mean, it's um, really beautiful to see what comes out of it. Hmm. Yeah. Are a lot of the participants women? Yeah. Yep. They are. I've had two men so far. I'd love to see more men, uh, obviously, but yeah, that's who's attracted to it right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and in your own life, what do you turn towards for inspiration? Like what's lighting you up the most right now? I love 
creating this work. That's uh, as long as I can keep it playful and fun and not pressured. This is really my passion is creating content and teaching actually teaching is um, it really lights me up and inspires me. Yeah. Were you teaching before this? I was teaching at Boise State, their Master of Social Work program for a little while. Um, but unfortunately, it, <laughs> the the format for me it, it kind of led to a little bit more burnout. So I had to get back in my body. And that's, you know, something that I think a lot of people that are drawn to this program are creatives. They want they want to go, you know, they're entrepreneurs at heart or they're they're in private practice or they're in yoga, you know, um, they're really into the body and they're drawn to this work. And the reason for that is they don't want to do nine to five. Like they really want to have creative expression um, mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. Hearing you say that you're reminding me of um, just so many other women that I've spoken to that I sense or they voice that they're on the cusp of creating something too. Like it feels like there's so many women in particular, but it could be anybody, of course, that wants to create a platform form for themselves where it's part meditation, part yoga, part counseling, healing work, deep, true, long lasting, have their center, have their practice. And they're just like, how do I do it? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Because it's so huge, it probably feels overwhelming. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or can I do it? Or is there a place for me? Or is, you know, we're in Boise, Idaho. Is Boise too small? Is Boise ready for it? What would you say to that? What would you say to somebody that has these, it's it's multidisciplinary as well and wants to move forward, but is afraid or doesn't know how? Well... It's trial. It's been trial and error for me. And I think the lo- the knowing how is living into it. So I think that fear sometimes blocks us. I would say that I acknowledge that the fear sometimes makes it so we don't move forward and then just take baby steps. And um, also, I, I really would also tell them that right now feels more supported than ever for new ways of doing therapy, new ways of working in this way. Um, it's People want it. People really want it. Um, and so I think we build it and they will come kind of a thing. <laughs> Is that what you've been experiencing? Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. So yeah. you have felt welcomed with your brand new own, you know, copyrighted method of this is the system. I have. I have felt welcomed. Yes. It's it's uh, taken a little bit more education because there's not a lot out there. So it's me educating at the same time as people saying, oh, yes, that's what I've been looking for. I didn't even realize it. And people also want to take your fair method that want to transform their businesses, even though that's not necessarily right what it's made for, but that's what happens. That's what ends up happening. You mean they're transforming their own private practice? Yes, oftentimes. And then I have people that are wanting to go into coaching or, um, yeah, offer new ways of connecting with people that maybe don't have a therapy degree or, um, yeah, and that want to have a format and a, a way, a structure to start doing that. Mm-hmm. And as a licensed therapist yourself, how does it feel for you like that line between traditional trained therapy and Wild West sort of Mm-hmm. intuitive guidance. Like what have I noticed about that line? Yeah. Like what comes up for you when you think of it? Cause you're straddling both edges. Yes. <laughs> As you can tell, as I'm adjusting my body and Oh yeah. Her, her, bo- her body just freaked out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, Oh, I didn't know. Like, I, um, I feel that that's something I'm going to continue to straddle because it's important that more people actually do that. And I, I think it's uncomfortable at first, but... Which part's uncomfortable? It's on un- which side? Uh, both, I would say. So for me, coming from a traditional therapy perspective, now saying, I use my intuition to do insight sessions or get into the Akashic Records, which is another part of something that lights me up, right? I, I think that there's going to be some people that 
that may not see that necessarily as uh, fitting into the traditional therapy role. And then there's people on the other side that might think that traditional therapy is too heady. So I think more people bridging the world is going to make it um, more accessible and more uh, acceptable. Um, mm -hmm. Do you feel or do you experience that from the licensed therapist side, there is what kind of acceptance is there of those that let's say maybe aren't licensed who are doing work? Mm, yeah, that gets tricky with, um, so it, that would fall into what people would call coaching or, you know, you couldn't use the word therapy because those people could not say that they were doing therapy with people. So mm -hmm. it's really about the wording of what you're really what you're really doing versus what you say you're doing, which is a whole thing. It's a, um, yeah, it's really up to the person on what they are comfortable with. Mm -hmm. And it feels like there's so many different ways to do it now. There it feels, I mean, speaking from my own personal life, I'm a coach too, right? Mm -hmm. And it feels like, almost like five years ago, everybody, all the ladies were yoga teachers and all the men were home brewers. <laughs> now it's like all the ladies are coaches. What are the guys doing? <laughs> all the guys are rock climbing. I don't know. <laughs> all the guys are coaches too. That's great. You know, and, and really that brings up another point where I think um, it can feel a little threatening to people that are licensed therapists, not all, don't get me wrong, but I think your Thera method is um, maybe pushing that edge a little bit and acknowledging that there are extremely um, empathic and um, talented and gifted individuals that should be working one-on-one -on -one with people that didn't go through traditional school. Mm -hmm. And it's really accepting and opening and including all people and all of their gifts. Maybe we'll you know, threatening for people that have $100,000 in student loans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I get it. And in just going through the licensing process, I mean, for personally myself, that's like the biggest hangup where it's like, oh, really? Yeah. I never mind. I'll just do it by myself. Right. <laughs> you yeah. know, and there's a lot of value in getting a lot of training. Right. Right. Yeah. There's not a right or wrong. And, you know, just to clarify, I'm not in this process of certification. I'm not teaching people how to do therapy for whoever might be listening and a little bit confused. Um, I am teaching a modality that can be interwoven with a lot of different practices. So this can be interwoven into a physical therapist practice as well. It can be interwoven into a massage therapist or um, I even have a florist in town that's going to be doing the training and she's going to be using it with like creating uh, working with groups and things like that um and then there's the therapists that want ceus because it offers ceus and then they can also bridge this somatic um, psychosomatic work into their practice mm -hmm. and it sounds like the way that you've designed it you said you have to go through the the sessions yourself and so you're doing your own healing work in the process. And as we know, your experience is your greatest teacher and guide. Yes. Yeah. I think that's one thing that I think makes your know, therapy method stand out is that I do require everybody to go through the 10 week group as a participant before they say, I want to learn it and learn how to do it because it's not in integrity if we're not practicing what we're preaching. So that's just one way that you know, they can see if it's really for them or not. Have you had clients try it and back out? Um, yes, I have. I've had people that start, did the 10 week group and um, realize that it is, you know, it's not a fluffy thing. It's like, it works on you. It, you'll hit up against resistance. You're going to have an alchemical, you know, process with it. And it's really, it's not always easy. And so I think, um, I think some people may get overwhelmed with that and think, oh, I can't do certification. And how could I ever do this if, I, if I'm struggling in the group? Yeah. Mm. That has come mm. up. Mm -hmm. 
That's making me think of, you know, folks when they first come to a yoga class and just suffer and hate it. And it's so hard. And they're like, I'm never coming back. Yoga sucks. (laughs) And then, but something's happening and working on them in the background in the meantime, and maybe they'll end up in a class again and give it another shot. It can just be a surprise how hard it is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I say it's like going to the gym for 10 weeks and then expecting that you're going to be like a bodybuilder. I'm like, it doesn't work like that. You have to commit to a, this has to be part of your um, lifelong self-care, you know. And that's the journey really is finding those practices that help you with your lifelong self-care. Because I think there's kind of like a misnomer that, or a false hope, like when I begin... I'm going to figure things out. I'm going to quote unquote heal. And then I'm going to be all better and it's going to be easy. And it's actually, you're just learning how to now navigate the ups and downs with more grace and ease and better communication and more truth. Yes. Quicker. Yeah. And sometimes it feels like it gets harder at first, like that, you know, healing happens. It's like, what did I do? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Healing hurts. Yeah. Right. But I was just on a podcast uh, a couple of weeks ago and, you know, we were talking about how the truth hurts, but it sets you free. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Healing hurts, but it sets you free. Yes. And it's so worth it. Yeah. And those are kind of interchangeable, the truth and healing. Yeah, I would agree. Mm-hmm. As a collective, it feels like that's the ask right now as well is what is true, honoring the truth. It's fascinating that now the truth has become blurred. Like it's so much harder to distinguish what is true. I mean, I question that all of the time now within myself and the polarization, right? And such an extreme sense of othering, like they're wrong. They think crazy things or whatever it might be, I think, well, I must certainly be wrong too. And I must be have the wrong view of things also. I'm clearly not seeing everything clearly. If they're not seeing everything clearly, it can't only be them, right? Uh-huh. And so the I have an ongoing question of how do I know what is true? Especially when it's not, especially when it's in, within our culture or society or something larger. Yeah. Yep. You're definitely not alone. I, I, that reminds me of, um, you know, our perception is based on our experiences. And so what I may see as quote true, um, is, is all based on my experiences and the stories that I hold in my body. And that's going to be different for somebody else. And so maybe what if there's so many different truths, you know, based on personal perception and experience. Yeah, that's a great point. I think we're um, raised to believe there's one correct answer. You know, is it A, B, or C? It's only one of them. And perhaps now the growth is recognizing that it can be. It can be at the same time all of them. Yes, that feels that feels true for where we're headed right now. Yeah, and then and then because we've been so conditioned to have it only be one answer, that's when we feel safe and that knowing. So how do we begin as a collective and as humans to begin to feel safe with multiple choice, correct answers mm-hmm. and allow everything to be correct mm-hmm. or different points to be correct? Can we do that? That's maybe the great ask. Yeah. I think we are being asked to do that right now with all the different truths and narrative. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because the pushback is so, the aggressive defense cycle is also something that's so ingrained. You know, when somebody says no, you say yes, (laughs) you know, and immediately start fighting about it. Like it's an inherent ingrained tendency for that to arise. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's so primal, really. It's, there's this part of the primal mind that wants us to feel well to be safe. And so it's reading anything outside of our our identity or our beliefs as dangerous to our survival. And so it's like knee-jerk, knee-jerk reaction. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's so intense. Like even right now, just talking about, it, I can feel 
my body start to get achy in the upper back and the low back. And hmm, I, I suppose I'm, I, I, I'm really aware of those feelings in my body. I think because most of the time my body feels good, right? And I feel healthy most of the time. So when those sensations arise, I'm, I'm aware of it. And then I think, well, almost like, what can I do to get rid of it? Like, what will help clear the energy? And I'm, I'm, I guess I'm questioning now, like, should I think about clearing it immediately? Or should I, like, would a practice be to go into it like you're describing? Well, now what is this sensation in my upper back, the ache? What is that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I tend to find that um, for, for myself anyway, that going into it, doing the opposite of what we want to do is usually, you know, where the answers have been found. Mm-hmm. And, the clear- and, the, mm-hmm. and the clearing, right. Because mm-hmm. then that'll dissolve it. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Would you be open, Jess, to guiding us through a sort of practice, whether it's a meditation or a channeling or an inquiry? Sure, yeah, I would love to. Sure. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. Well, if you're listening, go ahead and close your eyes. <sighs> Just start by taking a couple of deep breaths. And with those breaths, you can just let the exhale be a little bit longer. This is just inviting you to drop out of the head and into the body with the exhales. And as you begin to notice the sensations in your body, you can do a body scan. And you can start at the top of your head. And with the exhales, you can slowly move your awareness down the body and just noticing any sensations that are just asking for attention today. Don't have to be good or bad. They can just be asking for attention. And each exhale, you're moving gradually down, spending some time in each area. Past your neck and shoulders. your arms and hands. And you're just noticing, we're not going into the areas yet, we're just noticing what's here. And past the heart, the rib cage, The torso, the hips, the thighs, the knees. the calves and feet. And just taking a moment and gather the parts of the body that really stood out to you. There might be one or two areas that just really wanted attention. And choose one of those. And once you've identified that area, you might place a hand there if that's accessible. You could also just direct your awareness and breathe into this area of the body. 
So with each breath, you're also directing and holding your awareness in this area of the body and, and allowing it to open and show you more of what's held here. And as you're allowing it to soften and open with each breath, you may begin to notice images, colors, memories. You may also notice emotion. And if this area of your body had a voice, just allow it to share with you just internally. What would it want to say right now? And sometimes the words don't even have to make sense to your logical mind. And if this area of the body wanted to express through a movement, you could also explore that as well. If there's no words, you can explore it through a movement. And just allow this area of the body to give you wisdom, share wisdom with you for your life. What does it want to tell you about life right now? And once you've received whatever message came through for you, just take time to thank your body. And thank you for allowing it to be witnessed. And in your own time, when you're ready, you can open your eyes. Thank you. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Hmm. I was feeling a lot of energy in my low back and now right here at the right in this moment, it feels like a softening around my heart, which I'm grateful for. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Yeah. Do you, are you, do you find that particular areas of the body relate to certain emotions? I have found uh, common themes. Yeah. Um, common themes sometimes look like, um, like the root and the sacral area of the body and the hips and the low back sometimes, um, sometimes carries guilt and shame, um, some of the fear, you know, um, not always, but that's a theme that I've noticed. And then um, shoulders and upper back tend to be uh, when we're carrying more, <laughs> carrying more weight, um, feeling bogged down. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
It's interesting that a lot of it happens within the torso. You know, it's not like a hand pain. Right. Or, yeah. or a forearm pain. I've noticed that too. Yeah. Yeah. Throat though. I mean, throat and head do come up pretty often as well. Which is True. And I guess, you know, we can often just relate that to the chakras, the different energy centers within the body, that that's where, that is where more of the energy is accumulated. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Agree. Mm-hmm. Or can get stuck, stuck, like the flow gets obstructed. Yep. Yep. That's what it felt like when I, I was feeling all the sensation in my low back and you asked if there was a movement. So I just kind of leaned forward so I could stretch out my low back. And then when I sat up, it felt like a softening around my heart almost because it was like that energy that was stuck there was got freed up and lifted yeah. up higher and created that softening. Oh, that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, was there, I'm just curious, was there a message or anything that came through for you? You know, it was hard for me to distinguish, but I'll describe my experience. So it started with like, and perhaps this could be common too, where when we go inward for messages, it's what's most immediate, Mm -hmm. right? Like what, what's the thing, the aggravation, let's say today or yesterday, or what has it been this week? And I was noticing that like, oh, it's this, right? And then I was like, no, go deeper. Like what was before that Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or where did this start? And then of course it takes you to when you're younger, when you're, when you are a child. And like you mentioned, it often is inner child work. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. So it felt like little Marissa and, you know, when she was scared or when she felt unsafe or, like a sense of abandonment, that kind of thing, or pressure. And I didn't feel like I was actually, it's hard to know, you know? Like it's hard to know, well, which which image or message or imagery is like the one. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, and the the truth of that, and you're not alone, by the way. Yeah, the truth is that there's really no way to know for sure uh, because if we can't travel back in time and go, well, did my little Jessica really feel that way? Or, you know, um, but it, I think it's more important just to acknowledge what's happening right now and what comes through now without trying to figure it out. Um, right? mm. The cognitive mind wanting to figure it out. And that's the trap sometimes. Mm-hmm. So then the advice would be to whatever's arising. Let it. it it's, it's parts of that. And I guess the point of it would be too, like it doesn't have to be one singular thing. It's the accumulation of many. Yes. And it was, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Well, I was going to say some of it isn't even ours. I've um, just epigenetics, right? Like I've absorbed Mm. so much through my parents and um, they have as well. So Mm -hmm. have you had the awareness of certain transgenerational traumas arise? I have very much. And and I can just speak for myself personally, but absolutely I've had so much that's been passed down to me through my matriarchal lineage that um, that I know are not my memories. And they sometimes come up in my body to be cleared. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Well, thank you, Jess, so much. Tip of the iceberg. A beautiful work. And I'm so glad that you're doing it and that you've created this method of going deeper into the felt experience in the body and that you're helping others learn how to do this as well with themselves and with their clients. Thank you. Yeah. Where can people find you? You can find me on Instagram, Yothera Method, and uh, you can also go to yothera.com to check it out. And that's Y-O-T-H-E-R-A. Yeah. You're there. Okay. Wonderful. Well, thank you, Jess. I love always connecting with you and I look forward to our weekend with the Sage School too. Me too. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Mm -hmm.